Hey everybody, uh, welcome to Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. I'm Andrew. I'm Tara. And this is part 5 of our 3726 part series where we randomly pick a movie that neither of us have seen from the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, watch it, and give our well-informed thoughts on it. There's quotes around well-informed in case you couldn't pick that up. I would like to mention that we are not affiliated with Scarecrow Video. All opinions expressed belong to us alone. So please don't show up at Scarecrow Video with pitchforks, yelling at them, and we'll be cool. Super cool. If we sound a little out of it, it's because we just finished watching The Forbidden Room, Guy Madden's most recent movie, and it is weird as shit. I imagine we'll probably be talking about that a little later in the podcast. Sure. Why not? In the last episode, we watched the John Woo classic World War II action film, Wind Talkers. And just let me interject here and say that I've got a new favorite movie after watching that. A new favorite movie, you say? I mean, what could that movie possibly be? Any movie that's not Wind Talkers. Oh, huh. You know, I noticed that uh, we were questioning why it would be included in the guide last time. Uh, there's a quote from John Woo on the cover. Oh, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry for uh, besmirching your uh, reputation, Scarecrow, for including this movie in your fine, fine movie guide. We can put a disclosure at the start of that episode, too, so I think they're fine. Uh, yeah, Wind Talkers. We did not like it. We talked about uh, how Christian Slater got decapitated. Yeah. And I think what uh, we kind of forgot to mention is that just the way that they treat his decapitation, which I thought was pretty funny. It's so funny when he gets decapitated, oh. you guys. Hilarious. Well, you know, decapitations in general are it, just like, they just tickle my funny bone. Yeah, you know? it's a laugh, typically a laugh, right? But this in particular, super funny. No. Um, <laughs> he, like, Sorry they, if you've been decapitated. <laughs> <laughs> if you or a loved one have been decapitated, please call this 1-800 number. Our apology hotline for uh, victims of decapitations. He gets decapitated off camera, and then the camera like quickly pans over, and you see his head laying on the ground, and then quickly pans back. It's like, the cameraman is like, whoa, oops, oh, I didn't want to see that. Oh, shit. Uh, so that, that was something that I thought was... I don't know that it's redeeming at all necessarily, but it was something that I thought was funny that we didn't talk there, about. Yeah, there, so maybe I guess there were two entertaining parts of the movie. Right. And they both involved Christian Slater, the hero of Wind Talkers. It's pretty much what I expected going into it. I'm like, well, Christian Slater is in this. I'm sure he's going to like bring something to it that will make this tolerable. And he did. Two things. Didn't um, necessarily make the rest of the movie tolerable, but, no, but the, hey... <laughs> Um, we're, we're grasping at straws we'll take, here. Yeah, we'll, we'll take what we can get. So I guess we should kind of move on to picking the movie. Yeah. Alright, so it's it's Tara's turn to pick a movie from the guide. So I am going to start flipping. Um, I've got my eyes closed okay. very tightly. Alright, so... Flipping. Stop! Okay. And then... Got it. It's not Wind Talkers. It's not uh, anything remotely close to Wind Talkers. So that is a. It's not plus. highlighted as something that we've seen. No, yeah, we've not seen this. It's. I'm in suspense <clears throat> over here. I'll let uh, you read through it first. Okay. Oh, it's a documentary. Okay. It's, it's a Jewish documentary. Oh. Shoah from 1985, the Star Video Movie Guide, says that it is. A grand achievement in the advance of documentary filmmaking, Shoah remodeled the way the Holocaust is remembered. Eschewing the usual grainy black-and-white footage of striped uniforms, Landsman goes for present-day folks who remember the times of deportation. Often collected down by long documentary-weary filmies as a nine-and-a-half hours 
Oh, shit. This is super long. Uh-oh. Um, How long is it? 570 minutes? Nine and a half hours. Oh, man. I don't think we're watching that for this. I don't think we can watch that for this. I. It sounds like something we should watch, but we should, like, set a time limit. Yeah, okay. We, we're implementing a new rule. Movies have to be under four hours, would you say? Is that, yeah, I'd okay. say four hours is a good limit. Okay. That's a very generous <laughs> limit, I think. I Yeah, I agree. So, so okay. So, sorry, Shoa. Um, sorry, Shoa. You sound like a very worthwhile film. I'm, I'm sure you are quite good, but uh, we, yeah. Moving on. That's beyond the scope of okay. this podcast. <laughs> let's, uh, yeah. All right, well, let's go on to pick number two. Okay, well, well said. Flipping... Stop. All right, got it. Okay. Oh, okay. This is in our wheelhouse. Oh, uh, good. Let me ask you a question, Tara. Have you seen The Mangler? No. Okay. Not that I can remember. All right. Uh, so uh, Tara has selected The Mangler. It is a 1995 uh, horror movie based on a Stephen King short story. The Mangler concerns an enormous machine that steams and folds sheets. Uh, Robert England rides herd over a crew of scantily dressed young women, and from time to time, oops, one of them accidentally gets fed through the machine. Ted Levine plays the investigator who discovers this laundry machine is possessed and prefers the meat of virgins. Stopping England turns out to be quite a task, considering that he barely escaped from the machine itself and now draws his power from it. Only lovers of Toby Hooper's work will appreciate this film. Most everyone else might feel um, short-sheeted. Okay. Again, very different from uh, Shoah. Yeah, almost diametrically opposed. All right. So we will be back in a moment with our thoughts on Toby Hooper's The Mangler. The Mangler. Mangler. Shot the Mangler. The Mangler. Yeah, I watched and read The Mangler. Yep. We read the short story for purposes of comparison. So before we get into any of that, we should do our, our uh, pre-spoiler rating. Again, the scale goes from don't watch to maybe don't watch to eh to maybe watch. And then, uh, as always, the best uh, rating we can possibly give anything, don't not watch. On the other count of three. Give our, our readings? Sure, let's okay. do it. Alright. One, two, three. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's it's not bad. It's not a bad movie. Uh, well, it's it a is, bad movie. It's a bad movie. Let yeah. me, okay, let's be very clear. This is not a good movie. It's definitely a bad movie, but it's, it's entertaining. It, there's a charm to it. There is definitely a charm to it. So there's a lot of overacting. Yeah. Robert England is chewing the scenery up like it's going out of style. Yeah. So there's a lot of that going on, but some of it is just like so 
sort of en- enchanting. Yeah, it, <laughs> in a way. Endearing. In endearing. A way. It's like so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's you kind of can't help but like it, despite it being incredibly stupid and yeah. not, not a good movie. So stupid. I guess we'll just kind of go into the plot. Do you want to kick that off? So we are introduced to this machine, the Mangler, though that's not its official name, when a woman ends up getting partially sucked into this machine and loses, I think, her hand or a portion of her hand. From that point on, it gets a taste of the blood. Yeah. A taste of the good, good red stuff. It's like a game on for the, the people yeah. mangling. Well, first I think it just like had a taste. And it then, like, yeah, later, it definitely does. Yeah, yeah and it, then it, like a little bit later on, it actually munches a whole woman. Its purpose is to clean and fold. Laundry. Uh, laundry, so essentially like sheets, things like that. Uh, so this woman goes in and she ends up all folded up. So this police officer gets called onto the scene and he... Throws up. Throws up and then walks away from it immediately without yeah. attempting to do anything Just about like, it. Yeah, somebody else will take care of that. Yeah. That's not... This factory is gross enough. Yeah. <laughs> he then takes it upon himself to, like to figure out what's going on with this machine Right, like there's a case of like several other employees at the laundry place getting burned by steam when a hose disconnects and stuff, then he starts to get suspicious about what's going on. Especially when the inspectors give it a clean bill of health and the cops kind of head scratching, how could that be? There are clearly a lot of accidents and deaths and disfigurement. Eventually, he teams up with his weirdo brother-in-law to try and figure out what's going on, and of course he's his brother-in-law is like an expert in the occult kind of paranormal slash occult right kind of but it's not really explained no so they decide after like a little bit of research and some really weird questioning of women who were involved in accidents very interested in if uh, women are virgins yeah a lot of a lot of uh virgin curiosity and and also referring to 16 plus year old ladies as little girls. <laughs> little girls, yeah. <laughs> Oddly. Like, uh, that's, mm, I don't like that. Yeah. There's uh, a lot of weird... Okay, I'm just going to say there's like a lot of weird stuff about women in this movie. Like, it's not a movie that is kind to women at all. A lot of it is centered around Robert England's character who runs the laundry operation. And he just is a total creep. I think, Super creep. Like, pretty much everybody in this movie either falls under one of two categories incredibly dumb or creepy as shit and evil yeah so yeah like there's there's no spectrum there it's one or the other robert england he's the the creepiest uh, by far of everybody and almost all the women are definitely not on the evil side there's they're all like on the stupid bland side where all they do is just like scream yeah he has one henchwoman like halfway through the film we should talk about the the icebox oh god so at the beginning of the movie, one, the reason why one of the women ended up in the Mangler at all is she was trying to get out of the way of these two clumsy movers who were inexplicably moving this icebox. Yeah. It's this really weird looking icebox. So they're moving it and being really clumsy and she's like trying to keep out of their way. And that's how she ends up getting into the machine. Yeah. So later on in the movie, the cops, I think just driving yeah, past he's... with his brother-in-law. And they notice a bunch of police and sirens going off at this house. So they stop and jump out and find that a little boy ended up inside this icebox and suffocated. As they find out later on, they don't know how the icebox even got there. And that's never really explained. So much shit doesn't get explained or it's just like it just happened. So I, that kind of just even 
went right over my head, the fact that they didn't... It wasn't very clear in the conversation. I don't think the dialogue was no. too great. No. But at the end of it, like, the conversation, like, the one woman, she said, like, I don't know where this came from. This just was, like, here. And so we kind of put it to the side. After that, the police officer and his brother-in-law are checking out this icebox. They open up the door and see several dead birds and then one live one still in there. Inside, it's just, like, an open space, right? It's a very small space. It's a very small space. There's, like, no gears or levers or anything, no hoses, no opening. And this guy's arm somehow gets stuck in there. Yeah, like, the, the door slams on it and he just starts screaming like he's getting his arm chopped off Like or it's whatever. being munched. Yeah. And then that gets the, uh, the police officer, Officer Hunton, into a rage at this and grabs a bat and starts beating on it. And then a ghost comes out of the top. He knocks the top off of the icebox and then a weird tornado-y blue ghost comes spiraling out of it. Yeah. It's totally ridiculous. Super ridiculous. And then there's this guy who shows up on the scene and he's like taking photographs. And no joke, this guy's name is JJJ Pictureman. Yeah. Which is... We don't find that out until the very end of the movie. The very end of the movie. We don't know what this guy's name is like the entire time until after he dies. Just like... And his death scene is pretty great, by the way. It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Uh, Very subtle. Uh, Toby Cooper really let it speak for itself. He was, go over the yeah, top so restrained, like the most minimalist directing. Yeah, it was, it's it's artful, is what it is. <laughs> so yeah, they beat up this icebox. And so reading the story, like they mentioned that too. I wasn't sure if it was just some weird shit that they made up for the movie, but it, it's like something that a, another character mentions in passing. It's just like, oh yeah, machines can be evil sometimes. Oh yeah, the mangler reminds me of this story <laughs> I heard about this icebox. Yeah, I guess that kind of proves to Officer Hunton that Mangler are... is possessed? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think his brother-in-law had been trying to convince him that something supernatural was going on. And then it wasn't until that incident with the icebox and the blue spiral ghost emerging that he, he realizes, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, there's probably something going on with the Mangler then. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm on board. And, and who better to fix it but me, who knows nothing, yeah. and my weirdo brother-in-law. Yeah. Uh, cop who falls into the, the dumb category. When we first see this character, I, I I said like, oh, I think this guy might have been the inspiration for Saul Goodman's hairstyle in uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. But Andrew came up with a much better comparison later on as we were watching. Yeah, it really like it was bugging me. It was eating at me as we were watching. Like he seems very familiar to me, just like his dumb mannerisms and his hair and his dumb stupid face. And then I realized he is a lot like the Kids in the Hall character that Mark McKinney plays, uh, Tucker. We'll try to link to a, yeah, to some, to a scene like on our... On the, the post for this episode. But yeah, I'm like that, that's it. That's who he reminds me of yeah. exactly. And then I could like not unsee Tucker yeah. through the rest of the movie. Right. Did you notice the like feather light fixture? No. At that one dude's house? I was like, oh, Toby Hooper is still into the feather... For like light pieces, uh, <laughs> it's consistency. It's all take place. Yeah. It takes place in the same universe, apparently. <laughs> the, uh, the Tobyverse. So yeah, some more people get sucked in to the mangler and get all mangled up, and then the the brother-in-law discovers the magical spell or whatever it is that they need to to stop the mangler. And they're like, well, you know, we don't really know how this machine turned evil in the first place. I mean, it seems like when we see cases of possession, it's usually something. 
where if Belladonna is involved, then it's a real nasty case. But there's no way that Belladonna... There's no way any Belladonna could have ended up here. Yeah, so that's fine. It's probably just like a low-level possession. We'll, we'll yeah, take care just, of this. It was no just problem. virgin blood. Right, yeah. That's, just, all. that's all. Just, uh, just got a little taste of the virgin blood. And then they figure out the incantation or whatever it is that they need. To like take they need the holy religion. water and right. like the Eucharist. So JJJ Pictureman put together the book with article clippings and pictures of these girls throughout history who all quote-unquote disappeared. He gives it to Officer Hunton as a present. So the police officer realizes that Robert England's niece is going to be used as a sacrifice to the mangler. And I think they don't really come out and say it, but is it just the sacrifices to the mangler making the community prosperous? Is that what Or, Or certain people. Giving them, like, Yeah, it's give, giving them, like, yeah, empower and yeah. whatever. So it's always being fed 16-year-old girls. Yeah. Anyway, so they find yeah. her at the factory with the factory owner and his girlfriend, his evil girlfriend. And they're trying to feed her into the machine. So there's, like, this whole stupid fight. Because Hinchlady yeah. and Robert England both end up getting all mangled up, fed into the machine after some, some scuffling. So then there's this really great dumb scene where the weirdo brother-in-law is reading um, Latin verses from the, from a Bible. Mm-hmm. And then the cop is alternately throwing holy water and saying something. He's saying an incantation. And then the cop has to, like, add body of Christ and, like, yeah. say the same incantation. It's, it's like... A minute and a half of, it, of the two characters just like shouting and throwing and, things yeah, at the and that, Yeah, exactly. Well, then it gets to the point where they're just like both shouting, holding Bibles yeah. up violently just in the like, air and like shouting one in Latin and the other one in English. Yeah, it just it was so, so dumb. And at one point, the cop is actually kind of almost going into the machine and oh. it's like the stupidest, yeah, the that... stupidest scene where it's like his coat's caught into it. You can see the guy clearly like kicking up his legs and like he's trying to feed himself to the mangler. Right. It's and, so bad. Yeah. So his, his coat gets stuck in, in order to get, try to free himself from the mangler. He like shoots at his overcoat. To try to like tear it. Don't, don't tear it. Just, you know, we'll yeah. solve every problem. So. <laughs> they do. It's the most effective way. And then later he gets his, the same coat stuck in the car door and he's just like, just get rid of that coat already, you yeah. idiot. It's, it's causing you no end of suffering. It's not a great coat either. No, it's not. And then they realize that these antacids that the police officer has been eating this entire time have belladonna in it, and some of them got fed into the machine earlier in the movie. Yeah, one of the well, one of the women who was like being munched up by the machine, she used these antacids a lot. Right. It, it sounds like everybody in the facility were using them, but. But yeah, they all contain belladonna. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, and so they're like, "Oh shit! The okay, that we probably just made the mangler like much." More powerful. Yeah, and then, like, immediately after they realize that, the the Megalo transforms into this dumbass-looking monster machine. And starts chasing them. Starts chasing them, like... Through this... Down this, like, inexplicable stairway that yeah. looks sort of Lovecraftian. Yeah. Like, that, that ends up being beneath very, the laundry. Very, very ornate for yeah. a, something that's under this, you know, laundry facility. And the, the brother-in-law gets killed by the, the transformed Mangler, and... The cop, yeah, the cop breaks free. The cop breaks free along with the niece. They escape, and he takes her to the hospital. And then we see that the the doctor that was working on her is missing part of a finger. And it's like, oh shit, that's the sign of everybody that's been involved with this whole mangler sacrifice scheme. They've all sacrificed a little piece of themselves to it. And they always wave their hand weirdly to indicate that. And then there's like a bit bell that rings, and it's just like, what? 
Why? Is this supposed to be like a magical thing? So at the end, the cop goes back to the laundry factory and he goes inside and he sees the niece is barking out orders and she lifts up a hand and waves and sure enough, she's missing one of her fingers. Yeah. And then the police officer just drives away dejectedly and the end. The end. All right. But, you know, they were just setting it up for the other two sequels that Yeah, uh, that definitely, well, the second sequel. For sure. The first sequel didn't have anything to do with it, from what we could tell. Right. So we were trying to find information about The Mangler after we finished watching it, like we always do. And uh, there's not a lot of people talking about The Mangler, surprisingly. There's not a lot of external information to find. It only made like $1.7 million worldwide. Yeah, this came out in 1995. I'm Pretty safe. And I don't remember hearing anything about it. Like I vaguely remember like seeing something about it, I think, but not much. Leonard Malton gave it one and a half stars. So slightly worse than Laser Blast, which yeah. I don't agree with necessarily. Sure. How do you feel? I feel like this was a much more enjoyable movie to watch than Wind Talkers. No question about that. So I don't know, maybe that becomes our Our metric. Our our, our metric. Yeah. So yeah, did you want to talk about the sequels or Yeah, yeah. So Oh, or, or or did you want to talk about the short story? Yeah, we, we can, I guess we can talk a little bit about the short story. We we read the the Stephen King short story after we finished watching it, just as a point of comparison. And the, the short story was written in like 1972, I guess, back mm-hmm. before he got super famous when he yep. was still just publishing stories in magazines. And it's actually pretty good. Like even now, I, I would say it holds up as a good short story. Like it's yeah. it gets to the point. It's not meandering. The the movie is very meandering. I would yeah. say. Yeah. Definitely. You know, the problem with a lot of Stephen King's adaptations that I have, at least, is that his ideas don't translate to the screen super well. Right. Like, in the short story, like, the idea of the mangler turning into a demon, like, transforming, it's like, that sounds menacing. And then in the movie, it's like, oh, this is just really, really dumb. That's, like, a, a problem I have with a lot of horror movies in general, is that I think a lot of what you can imagine is a lot scarier than the special effects that end up on the screen or yeah. even if it's like a practical effect. Whatever. Right. Like, it, it, I think especially because fear and what scares you can be so personal, it's really hard to make something that would scare you know, wide swaths of the population. Yeah, if you get a good look at it. Um, but yeah, if, especially if, if you're going to get it, like a real good long look at something, that's really hard to pull off and like maintain fear or any sort of mystery i find movies a lot scarier when you only get like a flash of the monster or it's more like implied yeah and i think that's why so many horror movie sequels are so awful it's because at the end of the first movie you're you kind of know what the deal is you the monster has been revealed and so there's no there's no mystery left mystery it's like oh yeah that watching the sequel it's, it's that guy again okay i get it so speaking of sequels, they made two further Mangler movies after. Which is crazy, considering it only made one point seven million. Yeah, I don't. I mean, they were both direct to video or and DVD. These were not directed by Toby Hooper. No, the first sequel. Uh, apparently, the Mangler turns into a computer virus and haunts a school's computer system, and it acts like a Ouija board. I guess. I don't see how that fits in with what we know of the Mangler. Yeah. You like, know, the, the Ridge Mangler canon. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure that movie is... A piece of garbage. That's probably being generous to it from what, <laughs> I, what I read. The, the second sequel sounds like they tried to be... More true to the original right, story. Right, right. But it's still 
didn't get very good reviews. No. So, um, yeah, the Mangler trilogy. I would say if you want to see a real dumb horror movie, this would be a good choice for that. Yeah, definitely. It's stupid, but it's charming. Yeah. I don't know. I think I guess I kind of expected more because, like, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is probably the horror movie that still manages to get under my skin every time I watch it. Yeah, this movie is so different from, like, when you think of Toby Hooper's movies, you think of definitely Texas Chainsaw Massacre and you think of Poltergeist. And this is. With an asterisk there. Well. This is nothing like either of those. This looks like yet another different person directed it. I I will say like one comment is if you, like me, hate those really sappy synth soundtracks that were really prevalent in a lot of 90s movies, especially like 90s horror movies, just like that really crappy (laughs) sort of soundtrack. This has got that, so just be warned. Brace yourself. Those soundtracks just really bug me. Okay, so I guess... (laughs) That's all we really have to talk about with regards to the Mangler. So yeah. we should. He shot the Mangler. He did shoot the Mangler. He did. We didn't we, know we that that was going to be at first, but a thing. It, it happened. I guess we should try to do a seamless transition into talking about a movie that we deliberately watched, The Forbidden Room by Guy Madden. It's weird as shit. I think I already said that, but yeah. it's weird as shit in a really fantastic way. I liked it a whole lot. Yeah. It's uh, so hard to describe, it's though. It's very like it is so stylish. It takes it draws a lot from different eras of movie making and just aesthetically how it's presented and the screen cards. Like there's a, it's it borrows right. a lot from silent movies yeah. in a really effective and visually pleasing way. Yeah, it's like a Matryoshka doll of a movie, basically. Yeah, uh, just because all there's all these stories and they all kind of blend into one another. Just and then. At the end, it kind of works its way back out of each of them. So interesting. Uh, a lot of good information about taking baths in it. So that was very educational. Yeah. It's an educational <laughs> film as well. Yeah, the visual style is really what drew me in. Cause it's it's so unlike anything that you're going to see. You should definitely check out the trailer um, because that is going to give you a very good taste of what it's like. And if you like the trailer, then you, you're going to like the full movie because it's a lot more of that. Yeah, it's not for everybody. Definitely not. Stretch of the imagination. Check check out the trailer. If you like that, definitely give it a shot because it, I, we both thought it was really good. So I guess we should wrap it up. Yeah. So as always, um, we would love to hear from you. So if you've got any feedback for us in the podcast or if you want to talk about one of the movies we've discussed. Or get just, into a lengthy discussion about The Mangler with us. Yep. Or if you just want to let us know about a cool film that you've seen that you think we might appreciate, please send us an email. Our address is TaraAndAndrewVerses at gmail.com. So that's all spelled out T-A-R-A and Andrew, V-E-R-S-U-S. Also, as always, we would like to thank Boat for letting us use their song lately off of the album Setting the Paces. We love Boat. We love Boat. We love Boat. Um, That, I think, is all we've got for this episode. Catch you later, potato hags. Catch you later, potato hags. Not your phone. You're not a potato hag.